Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. It's on this third Sunday of Easter 2021 that we have something special to celebrate as Lutherans. A few years ago in 2017, you might remember, churches did much more over the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. I heard about some of the things in Wabash. The basic date of 1517, as you know, marked the clamor that came about over Martin Luther posting his 95 Theses. Today, on April 18, 1521, is actually when a good confession of the gospel was on a much larger scale than a castle door church written on paper. Luther already knew about the threat at this time made of excommunication. But at the Diet of Worms, we call it, and it wasn't an actual meeting of authorities, okay? But at this Diet of Worms, he met the weight of the church and now the Roman Empire. Standing before Charles V and all the important officials and dignitaries of Germany. Luther was ready to confess the gospel, and he counted the cost. While the crowds, it's recorded, cheered his entrance into the city a couple days prior, Luther is noted for saying, I have had my Palm Sunday. Is all this pomp merely a temptation? Or is it also a sign of the passion to come? Of course, Luther did not recant. And he gave his final word. You have the insert today that shows you the whole thing. But he said, here I stand. God help me. Amen. Such a single confession was not alone. But it tied back to Easter. St. Luke tells us today in our gospel reading, it was the risen Jesus before his church who opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it's written that the Christ should suffer, not the third day rise from the dead. And here's the new part. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem over against human opinions and contradictions and corruptions, Jesus lives and promises troubled consciences forgiveness. And with that forgiveness is to confess, here I stand. Here I stand is to say a conscience can only be free by Christ alone. Most consider that, that conscience, when you ask the question, is about deciphering right and wrong for life. And they wouldn't be wrong necessarily, that's true. However, when the risen Jesus appeared to his disciples, they were troubled. Not about what was good or bad, but being unable to make sense of him. Instead of a spiritual manifestation, instead of kind of ghostbuster kind of fears that they was going through their, their backbones of seeing Jesus just appear, 
The central event of Christ's death and resurrection defines the Christian confession of faith by his body. It is more than a historical fact. Jesus rose from the dead in the body. It's more than that. But how a good conscience belongs to what Jesus as God and man won for us by a true triumph over death itself. St. Paul describes this bodily hope in Romans chapter 4, how Jesus Christ was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And all that is in the body. Justifying the conscience is not about you trying to do it, but everything Jesus does for you. We like those words, don't we? Here I stand by Luther. But they can take on a different meaning in our hyper-individualized thinking today. Instead of confessing faith in Christ who paid the price and rose to give peace to my troubled conscience that's before the law that shows sin, death, and Satan a reality, how quickly... Does a self-justifying captivity exist today that falls on our conscience? So the words, here I stand, is more about what works for me. And I'm not troubled one bit about my life and how I want to live it. Here I stand. This is not Luther's boldness. Or is it the forgiveness won by Christ for sin? but stands on a selfishness, doesn't it? Customized to fulfill one's own lifestyle. And it can be more than just an individual person the way they want to shape their life, but frankly, it can infect a whole church and even a whole church body. It's a troubling thing about what binds the conscience to say, here I stand. It can be lots of things but it might not be the word of God. The foundation laid down by Jesus is to know the new identity justified for his baptized. This is the identity that we stand on. St. John says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God? And so we are. Constant faith bound to God's. The event of Christ's death and resurrection came with a standard. And it wasn't just merely people witnessing an empty tomb. The standard was set upon Scripture. Jesus told his disciples, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you before the cross. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And so, living in Wabash, you kind of get used to the trains. And so here's your analogy for the day. As a train is no good about railroad tracks, so all that Jesus achieved for sinners is inherently tied to the authority of God's word alone. In his earthly life, he told those against him. He laid down the lines that would guide all the way to his cross and resurrection, but he told even his enemies. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it's they 
that bear witness about me. So before anybody else is witnessing to Jesus, Scripture was already speaking the witness. So this witness then to his coming by the Old Testament word now came connected to the authoritative witness by the apostles commissioned and sent by Christ. We call that the New Testament scriptures. But it connects right to the Old Testament, really, in the end. Authorities and institutions God gives as necessary for life. Everybody should know that. It's just the way it works. But faith belongs to the word alone. God's holy law reveals the truth that finally there is a design for life, a design for family, a design for what's good, a design that easily fails, as we know in Scripture. It doesn't last very long in the hands of sinners. Plenty before Luther saw failure, and disgrace of the institutions, both in the church and the state and the family. Plenty noticed it. But Luther's eyes were open to a bigger distinction. And it wasn't about the social arrangements. It was about what was in Scripture. His conscience received peace from God's comfort that stood alone on what the Lord said. And so Luther explains it this way. He says, the law says, which is the word, do this, and it's never done. Grace says, which is what the word is saying, believe in this, and everything is already done. Against the rejection of truth today is holding to the inherent truth of God's word where the law is for good, but in the end, the Bible, when you go to the law, it isn't about merely the good of life, about where is the law, where are the train tracks going, and it is to drive you 100% to Christ and the gospel. Nowhere else can you go. Here I stand is to value a conscience with boldness to confess Christ's peace to others. What his death and resurrection brought and the purpose of Scripture could not be silenced. It wasn't going to be. Jesus lives. It was to proclaim repentance and forgiveness in Christ's name, and it would begin in Jerusalem, the source of where God established that love on the cross. The mercy shown to a lame beggar you heard today in Acts made Peter and John address the crowd. They were gathering to him, trying to figure out how can men do this? And you know what they said? It was a mighty word in the end. Repent. Therefore, in turn again, that your sins may be blotted, that times of refreshing may come. How? By the presence of the Lord. It is over against opinions, fantasies, and corruptions comes a word with authority that is in the name of Christ. His suffering proves the law's judgment will trouble consciences to repent. The crucified Jesus don't cut it any other way. You ain't going to get away from it. Even now that we're resurrected people, 
we know what the cross truth speaks. Repent. But we also know the better news too. His resurrection also holds the promise that proclaims peace. And again, you heard that peace. Your sins are forgiven. The Holy Spirit has made his boldness sometimes dangle on a strand of a single person in history, and other times the Holy Spirit made a cry by a whole people. For Luther at the Diet of Worms, death appeared certain. Heartache was evident. And every obstacle to silence was there against the truth of God. Yet to preserve the gospel pure and undefiled was to at last confess. My conscience is captive to the word of God. What is your conscience captive to today? What is your eyes constantly fixed on TV? Other stuff that doesn't really matter? I don't know. But here's the big thing I do know. There is no more hiding in the status quo today, Christians, and especially true for Lutherans. It was never the case to begin with anyway at the time of the Reformation. But as Christ still comes, though, to greet us by his word and sacrament, as the risen Lord, with his presence, we share in blessing his comfort received of sins forgiven. That truly is for our life and salvation. And what does it mean for our life and salvation? It's peace to live a life. Peace to die. A death with life in Jesus. Peace to speak to others because of this. The world can't give it. It will never give it because it doesn't know Jesus or stand on God's word. 500 years later, encroachment continues upon the justifying and proclaimed good news of God. Only by grace through faith in Christ, work alone saves. What's your standard? All other spiritual tyrannies will only entrap sinners to deep darkness. Over against human opinions and corruptions, Jesus lives and promises troubled consciences, forgiveness, peace be with you. And so it's to confess, here I stand. Christ is risen. Risen indeed. Hallelujah. So it is, here we stand. God help us. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding be with your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus. To Amen. And so part of that confessing, as we know, in the church gathered together in the public now and confess this morning.